Please turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We've been looking at uh, verses 13 through 15. This is actually a lead up to the verses that, that tell us that every good and every perfect gift comes from above. This is the lead up. And uh, I, I, I want to get to those verses, but we have to deal with these verses first because you don't understand what he goes on to say unless you understand what he's saying here. Now, I know the book of James is kind of like a book of New Testament Proverbs, uh, and you can sort of pull bits out, but I don't like to do that too often um, because there is always a bigger thought and a grander scheme to, the, you know, to what the Holy Spirit is giving us. And we need to see all of it, to appreciate it, and to walk in the fullness of it. Amen? So let me begin by reading in verses 13 through 15. The Apostle James says again, Let no one say, without exception, says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Remember again that we talked about the fact that God is incapable of being tempted. Are you all with me? And because he's incapable of being tempted, he will never tempt anybody. Now remember again that we talked about the fact that this is different to what was spoken of in verse 2 when he talked about trials that come suddenly when you fall into various trials. Remember that, that's different to this. The words are close, but they're not the same. And remember again, a trial is something you can fall into. It is something that happens suddenly. But temptation requires your cooperation. I said this to you before, and it does take time. And we're going to look at that today, in fact. And he says, uh, once again, he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Verse 14 goes on to say, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Verse 15, Then when desire has conceived, it gives, uh, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now, we're going to look at all of that today. Well, hopefully. <laughs> now, we left off in verse 14 last time. And uh, I left you with a quote, which I'm not going to reread, but it was quite funny. Talking about the way people just, the things people do. You know, and the little young priest that was sitting there and the older priest that says, you got to learn to say something more than wow at the end of all the confessions. Remember that? Okay. <laughs> I've said here, the sad truth is that when we are in the grip of lust, God is never more distant. We forget who we are, who God is, and discount his word. I want to go back over those things. When we are in the grip of lust... Isn't it funny, the distance between us and God increases? Because we don't want Him anywhere around. Can I be honest? You say, God, you're cramping my style. Get away, man. <laughs> okay? And I want you to notice the other things. It says there, we forget who we are. And that is a key thing. 
You know, that's one of the things that the enemy has to do to get you to sin. He has got to get you to forget who you are. He's got to make sure that you forget that you are seated in heavenly places, first off. That you are a child of God. That you have the armor of God. That greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Hello. Amen. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You have to forget all of that. Because if you start remembering that stuff, you'll get away from it. You'll get away from sin. You'll get away from the devil. And so he's got to, you know, that's why I put here that he's, he's got to make sure that you forget who you are. And who God is. You know, he's not only your father, he's a judge as well. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says, he's faithful and just. The justice of God talks about God as a judge. The faithfulness of God talks about God as our father. Are you all with me? And the last thing, discount his word. It is the word of God in your mouth that puts the devil on the run. And the last thing the devil wants is you bringing forth the word of God out of your mouth. When he's sort of trying to dance around you and get you to do whatever he's, you know, saying, nobody will find out, do it. One of those things. Or, oh, you know, everybody does that. Everybody whinges, everybody whines, everybody's, you know, <laughs> okay. you know, whatever it is. You know, some people think, well, I'll never murder, I'll never steal, you know, I'll never, you know, commit adultery or whatever. But then, you know, they'll just sin in so many other different ways. They'll speak badly about people. And I could go on with some other things that I won't. <laughs> okay. But you know what I'm talking, you know, those other things. Like worry. I said I wouldn't go any further. Anyway, all right, I'll stop. Okay, so, you know, all, you know, all of those things. You know why worry is a sin? Because you forget God. You forget that he knows you have need of all of these things. When we worry, we take the responsibility on ourselves and out of God's hands. We take away from what he wants to do. Anyway, <clears throat> that's why the Apostle James says again in James 1.14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away, or he or she is drawn away by his or her own desires and enticed. In his commentary, Doug, Douglas Jemu says that the word desires often carries for us a sexual connotation, but it usually has a broader meaning, including any human longing for what God has prohibited. Did you get that? It's any human longing for something that God has said no to. He has prohibited. 
See, we have to, you know, that, that's why I said we really need to redefine some of these things and understand where the Apostle James is coming from. Because we read this stuff and, you know, we just decide in our little head what's right, what's wrong, and what's a really bad sin and what's not. Hmm? And, you know, we, we, so much of the time, we discount those little foxes the Bible talks about that just destroys the vine. You all know where that comes from? It's the Old Testament. You know, people used to grow vineyards, grapes. The big foxes were big enough to take, take the grapes off the vine. The little foxes couldn't. So they would, they would start digging and cause the whole vine to collapse so that they could get at the, at the grapes. So who does more damage? The little guys. <laughs> okay? And it's those little things that dig away at us and slowly begin to uproot things in our life. Are you all here? So we really need to be careful what we allow in our life, what we excuse ourselves for. Okay, all right, anyway. It is the same Greek word used in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11, where the apostle Peter says, Dearly beloved, I beseech, urge, or beg you as strangers and pilgrims, foreigners, to abstain, which is avoid and stay away from fleshly lusts. There's the word. Okay, New Living Translation says evil desires which wage war against the soul. I'm combining a few versions here so we get the full meaning. <laughs> okay, all right. I want you to notice that it wages a war against your soul. You have a fight going on, on the inside of you. Have you noticed whenever sin comes along? <laughs> okay, the fight begins. And you know, your body plays dirty. No, I'm serious. It just, I mean, it's ruthless. It will lie. It will do whatever it needs to do to get what it needs. And we justify it all. And it, and it gets the mind to cooperate. It's got to get the mind to cooperate. You know? <laughs> okay, so now we're going to say this or that or, you know, well, this is the reason why. Okay, and whatever it is, if it isn't, if it's going against God and what he has said is okay and what is right, we're going to have a problem. In fact, the next verse says that it brings forth death. We'll look at that. There's a lot to that verse. This same Greek word is also used in 1 John 2.17, where the Apostle John said, And the world and its desires, that's the same word, are passing away, but those who do the will of God will live forever. You know, I want to just take a minute with that verse. I wanted to give it to you as a verse that, that communicates the same idea, but there is something in that verse that is extraordinary. I want you to notice two things in that verse. Notice he says the world and its desires are passing away, but those who do the will of God will live forever. You have a choice what you want to engage in. Do you want to engage in the desires and the, you know, things in the world that are passing away? Or, see, you don't have time for both. Some people say, I have so much trouble with this. Do something else. You, you know, you, do, do you understand? It isn't about staying away from sin. It's more doing something else instead. Because if you leave a void, it'll get filled. Are you all here? You can't leave a void. You can't say, I will no longer do that thing. No, no, no. I don't want to know what you no longer will do. I want to know what you're going to do instead. 
Because if you got a, something that you're going to do instead, then you won't do that thing. Because everything takes time. Did you, you get this revelation? You can either take time to sin or take time to pray. You can't do, this, you can't do both. You got to pick. <laughs> you know? And the Apostle John is saying here, you know, he says the desires you know, of this world, this world itself is passing away. All of this stuff will be gone one day. The stuff that you do as unto God will remain forever. Everything else in your life will be just wiped out. Some people, I think they're going to get to heaven, and there's going to be like about five minutes, and that's it. <laughs> you know, them carnal Christians, you know what I'm trying to say? You know? But you know, there's some people out there that you question whether they're even saved. The whole point is this, because remember, he cleanses you of all unrighteousness. He forgives you and cleanses you. So it's all wiped. You know, your slate is wiped clean. You all know that, right? There's nothing left over except in your mind. All right, so if, if, if anything is plaguing you, please get rid of it. You rebuke it, you get rid of it because it doesn't belong there. Whom God has forgiven, that person is set free. God doesn't forgive and not forget. He forgives and forgets. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Anyway, uh, we won't go there today. <clears throat> That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, this is one of the things that you can do to come against temptation. He says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Watch and pray. Again, that's Matthew 26, 41, sorry. Please get this, that there is, a, there is an answer to temptation, and that's watching and praying. This isn't a religious prayer. <laughs> okay, this isn't, you know, and, and please don't take this the wrong way, all right? I don't, I don't mean it in a bad way, all right? It, 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 it doesn't mean that you grab your rosary beads and go for it kind of thing, you know? And, and it's cool if you got one of those. You know, we got little prayer beads and stuff, all right? But it, what it's talking about is communicating with God. When you are going through something, talk to God. Remember, that's the first thing the devil wants to do is get you away from God. God is never more distant than when you are dealing with one of these, and he shouldn't be. He should be close right next to you. You have to distance yourself away from him. Don't. I'm giving you gold here, okay? I, I pray that you get this. Because so many people say, I don't know what to do. Talk to God. Start talking to God. Just say, okay, I'm about to do something not right here. Just letting you know. <laughs> you just see if he doesn't answer back. If you open the door, he'll talk, dude. It, the problem is you shut the door. God starts to say something. Oh, I don't want to know about it right now. <laughs> <You know? clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> so <laughs> he goes to say the spirit indeed is willing. There is a part of you that wants to do what's right. It is the reborn part of you. That new creation goes, we are not doing this. We will not sin. I don't care how tiny it is. We're not doing it. But notice, the flesh is weak. He goes, yeah, but I really want <laughs> you 
And so, who's in the middle? Your mind. We're going to talk about that as we move on to the next verse. So let's go on to verse 15. Like I said, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Verse 15 says, then when desire or lust. Uh, let me just say this. So what we have done is we've dealt with the source of temptation. What we're going to look at now is the course of temptation. We've seen the source. Let's go and look at the course of temptation. Where does it lead to? And it says in verse 15, then when desire or lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Isn't this interesting? That this whole thing started with, don't let anybody say when they're tempted, they're tempted of God. Because God isn't tempted, he won't tempt anybody. And he says that if you're tempted, it's because you're listening to something, you're giving time to it, and you're allowing it in your life. And he says, if you allow this thing in your life, then this is what it leads to. This is a freaky verse. No. <laughs> Notice it says... When desire has conceived, you all know that's a baby? Okay, that's why it says it gives birth to sin. Here's a little baby. It's called sin. <laughs> okay, I, I want you to get a visual of this. This is something. This is incredible what it's saying. You actually give birth to something? Ah, we didn't think about it like that, did we? Oh, I can get away from it anytime I want to. <laughs> not, until, not if you give birth to the thing. Are you getting this? Let me read a uh, quote. William McDonald says that when we yield to lust or ungodly desires, then lust conceives and a hideous baby named sin is born. <laughs> really like that. <laughs> You know, oh, what is that? <laughs> it's your baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is another way of saying that if we think about a forbidden act long enough, we will actually do it. It will give birth. Added to this, John MacArthur, in his commentary, goes even further and exposes the thought process behind this by saying that we don't have, we don't have to tell our minds to rationalize our lusts because like the animal or fish, listen carefully to this, okay, that goes after bait, the desire to have what we want is so strong that we are inclined to dis discount possible dangers or harm. Did you get that? You know, just like a fish, it kind of goes up to something and it goes, hmm, this is questionable, but I got to have it. It discounts what might happen once it puts its mouth on it. Are you all with me? I, I thought that was very insightful. There's more, there's more. Simply wanting it justifies the effort to have it. Boy, there's a mouthful there. Listen carefully. Simply wanting it justifies the effort. You know, we always, we have to make an effort to do something. And so much of the time, you know, when we have to do something good, like clean the room up or something, suddenly we have no life in us. <laughs> and it, you know, we want, don't want to make the effort. But boy, I tell you, you want to do something, you know, else. And suddenly the life comes back in and you're gone. 
all we see is a dust ball, you know? <laughs> you all know what I'm trying to say? It, 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 this, is, this is incredible when he says wanting it justifies the effort to have it. He says it is at that point James says that lust has conceived. See, that's when you know something has happened. The life of sin, as it were, has started to form and grow. I love this wording. And if we allow the process to continue, it inevitably produces disobedience to God's law, by which it gives birth to sin. That which is desired, rationalized, and willed is actually done, committed, and accomplished. Did you all get that? But that's no way it ends, you know. <laughs> okay, we wish it ended there, but no, there's more. Because it goes in the saying, the latter half of that verse, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. I want to get all this out before I talk to you, okay? In other words, as John MacArthur again puts it, if the cycle of temptation is completed, if the cycle of temptation is completed, okay? Sin is accomplished and it brings forth death. The child conceived by lust is born a murderer or killer. Remember you conceive and give birth to something? Once that thing comes forth, it then starts to destroy, it starts to kill. That's its job, that's, that's all it's born to do. Isn't that sad? The message translation actually says, sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. I really like that. But even more insightful is Young's literal translation. I like the first part of what he says. He says, the sin, having been perfected, brings forth death. The sin, remember you brought forth something. The sin then having been perfected. Do you know it takes time to perfect, to, to perfect something? You can't perfect something overnight. Have you all noticed that? <laughs> okay. It takes time to perfect anything. And that's, uh, that's why I really like this, because, see, again, it's you. It's all about you giving things permission in your life. Willingly going forward with things that you, are, you know that's not God, and perfecting those things. Do you know that's, <laughs> that's one of the things, reasons why God said he won't live more than this long? Man's life was cut short because man was finding better and more efficient ways to sin. Hello. And he said, you know what? That's it. I'm putting a cap on this one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> We're not going to let them live for 900 years. And really get, you know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we could be righteous. And the cap comes off, by the way. But for those that don't want to live that life, then God says, that's it. There's a point from, you know, beyond which he won't let you go. Because there's something that you're doing, you're destroying yourself more and more. And in his mercy, he says, at least I'll do this for you. Do you know that's, that, that was what happened to David? Remember how David sinned? And for a whole year, he didn't confess his sin. He justified it. Said nothing until Nathan the prophet turns up, tells him a little story about a man having all these sheep and this other man having one little baby lamb. 
And he said, and what did this man do? Took this one man's little baby lamb. And he goes, what would you do to a person like this? He said, I would kill him, man. Put him to death. Who is this man? He said, it's you. <laughs> God, that was God saying, if you don't repent now, all of the things that you've done in your past, all of it's getting eroded away. I'm not going to allow you to lose all of your blessing over one thing. And that's why David realized it was him. And to his credit, he said, I've sinned against God. And he repented and wrote a whole psalm about it. <laughs> okay. But that's, you know, that's all it is. Do you know the whole judgment thing only happens when you don't repent? If you repent, it's over. The judge clears the slate, forgives you of your sin, and cleanses you of all unrighteousness. Takes a little squeegee and just, okay, we're done. Can't see nothing. Amen. Moving on. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's turn the page. All right. In his commentary, William McDonald says that the statement that sin produces or brings forth death can be understood in several ways. First of all, the sin of Adam brought forth physical death. But sin also leads to eternal spiritual death, the final separation of the person from God and from his blessing. You know, we really need to be careful now. I don't know if I agree with all of that, but I just want to say that to you because don't play with your salvation. Don't play with things. Play with fire, you will get burned. Be careful. Yeah. Amen? And why do we want to go there anyway, you know? Okay, so with all this in mind, John MacArthur makes the point that it is only the Christian who is able to control his or her emotional responses to temptation when they first appear who will effectively deal with sin in his or her life. The principle of, I love this, nipping it in the bud has no better application than here. Amen, you know, nip it in the bud. I mean, that's the, I'll give you a scripture. All right. The battle must be fought in the mind where sin is conceived. That's why the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, you all know I was going there, right? <laughs> you didn't know the scripture? Okay. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that comes against God's knowledge, anything that comes against who God says you are, do you know you have to step down from who you are to sin? You can't sin while you're seated in heavenly places. You gotta leave the throne and go, okay. <laughs> I, I, I want you to see something here. Romans 12, 2. Let's go there. Uh, you know, I want to talk about this more, but... I, I want to get to somewhere good. How much time? How, sorry, I, I know you gave it to me before. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll hurry up. Okay. So <laughs> it's, it says here, do not be conformed to this world. This tells us something. See, when he says casting down imaginations, that's one of the ways that you conform to this world. You, you hang on to your imaginations. 
instead of casting them down. Are you all with me? Because the devil will attack your, you know, can I just say this? The devil so much of the time leads us through pictures in our mind. If you cast down that picture, then he lost, he's lost his grip on you. But if you allow that picture to become sharper and clearer, then you move towards that thing. So getting back to this, notice the answer to this. How, what do you do when you're tempted? He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember, the battle is in your mind. Renew your mind. Renew your thinking. Renew your images. You need to see yourself doing something different. Please get what I'm saying here. You need to see yourself doing something different for what you normally do when a certain situation arises. Do you know that's how I changed my life? I changed the picture that was inside. I suddenly realized something, that my whole life was driven by images of what I would do in a particular situation. I used to be really shy. I know it's a shocker, but, you know, I used to not say anything. I'd be afraid of everything. And I, you know, I realized that greater is he that's in me. I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things. I have the mind of Christ. I mean, the list went on and on. And I thought, I have to renew the picture in my head to match that. Otherwise, whatever God's trying to do through me is not going to get done. Are you all here? And so I literally changed the pictures in my head. Even in my studies, I was terrible. I was literally at the bottom of the class. And I changed that picture. I looked at my, because that's the picture that was driving me. And I thought, no, a person with the mind of Christ should not be doing badly. No, seriously. And I thought every time I hit something that I go, and my brain was like this, I would hit something that was just too complicated, and I'd go, I, I can't handle that. It's just too complicated. And I couldn't even, everything, <laughs> it was a lost cause, you know what I'm trying to say, okay? And I, I thought from now on, if I see something I don't understand, I will master the thing. I will stay with it and stay with God and allow him to do whatever it is. You know, things in my brain started changing. Physical changes took place because my head started to hurt. First I thought, oh dear God, have I got like a tumor or something? <laughs> and God said, no, no, I'm rewiring your brain. He was literally rewiring my brain. Then later on I found out that there are connections that don't take place that cause you to get to a certain place where you can't do certain things because the connections aren't there. Do you know you start confessing this stuff and God will start connecting things that weren't connected? Now I get upset if I don't get everything right. Before if I get something right, I'm thrilled. This was a reality in my life. There was a time when I just, I couldn't handle anything. And now it's the exact opposite because the picture changed. I renewed my mind. Are you all here? This is how you deal with sin. Renew the picture. Change it. Put another picture in there. Hallelujah. And when something comes up, there's, I told you, if you leave a void, you're in trouble. You've got to replace it with something. And that's why he says here, he says that you may prove. See, this is, this is how you prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In Colossians chapter 3, let's go there very quickly. I'm going to have to leave it here. 
But I want to at least leave you somewhere with an answer, okay? <laughs> Just want to tell you all the problems. He says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above. Look for those things. That's what I did. You know, I sought for what was above. I said, God, who have you made me to be? How am, how am I supposed to be? What was your picture of me? And I took that and overwrote my picture. Because my picture was a mess. <laughs> you know? But his picture, whoa. You know, he just gave me, like, that's where you want it to come from. You want it to come from God, not you just building something. But God gives you a picture. He gave me a picture of myself. It shocked me. I thought, no. <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, no. He said, mm-hmm. We live so far below our potential. God doesn't make anything second best. He's a perfect God who makes perfect things and has a perfect plan. And it isn't you going to China and evangelizing everybody or going to Africa. It might, but generally not. You know, that's what people think. You become a Christian and then you have to be a missionary and go all over the place. There's a life that God had planned for you. He had a predestination. He had a destination for you. It was pre-planned. You just need to get in there to get into it. Amen? I think that's what's going to be so sad for all the people that missed and decided to go their own way. God is going to say, this is what I had planned for you. Anyway. Oh, that's just me thinking. Oh. <laughs> Watch again. He says, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2. This is so important. We'll finish with this today. Don't want to, but I've got so much more I want to share with you. He says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your mind. You set your mind on things above. I, I really love Jesse Duplantis. One of the things that he says... Everybody has some gold in, you know, in their ministry. I love the gold that he gives in this area. He says, you know, people ask me if I, you know, if I sin, and I go, why? He said, I don't want to make that much effort. He said, I have to make an effort to sin. I don't want to. You know, you really learn something from that. You have to go out of your way to sin. You have to plan it. You got to pursue it. You got to put the work in. <laughs> and all the things that we should be doing for God. The devil tricks us into doing for him and then it destroys us. It brings forth death. If we set our mind on things above. And if we learn to do that. Then we will resist what's going on down here. That's the key. I pray that you get this today. If, if I leave you with nothing else, I, I'll say this. The battle is in your mind. Whenever temptation comes along, it requires your cooperation. You need to decide. You need to make a decision. Nip the thing in the bud. Okay, you need to make a decision right then. No. Just say no. N-O, no. And move away. Walk away. If there's an image, change it. 
Set your mind on things above. Don't let things below <laughs> run your life. Want to say something else, but I'm being sweet. Don't let it run your life. Well, let me say it. Don't let it ruin your life. Because the verse says it brings forth death. Amen? But I want you to notice that we have something that we can use to fight against all of this. We are not left defenseless. We have been given so much weaponry, armor. I mean, there's so much working for us. It's time that we put all of that into play. Amen. I know it ain't a happy, clappy message today. I'm sorry. But this is so, this is so important because so many people are struggling with this today. And I really want to set you free. And please remember this. That if you slip up, there is 1 John 1, 9. But it, again, requires you to do something. If you confess or acknowledge your sin. Only then is he faithful and just to forgive, his, forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Are you all with me? And you need to know that it's again you. All comes back to you. I want to pray over you. A little bit different than what I normally do. As a part of the message. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I pray over each and every individual here right now. I thank you, Father. That sin does not have dominion over anybody here in the name of Jesus. I come against you. I cast you out in Jesus' name right now. Father, I just thank you. For the freedom of the Spirit. I thank you, Father, that each and every individual here, Father, changes the picture on the inside of them. That you, God, give them something to take the place of anything in their life that would be considered sin by your standards. Not by ours, by yours. And I thank you, Father, that each person here today is delivered and set free in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that they are more than conquerors. And I thank you, Father, that they will live a life. The life that you planned out for them. That they will walk in your blessings, the fullness of your blessings, all the days of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.